Dunhuang, a transportation hub along the ancient Silk Road, was where multiple civilizations, religions and ethnic groups met and merged with each other. Although it was once a prosperous commercial and cultural center, the Miracle Land had, due to a combination of different historical reasons, descended into obscurity. In the early 20th century, a series of discoveries of grottos, murals and other cultural relics enabled Dunhuang once again to attract the attention of people from around the world. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. In our previous episodes, we've got a taste of the infinite charm of this grand art gallery in the desert. We also shared many fascinating stories, sealed by time. You can hardly find another place like Dunhuang that has attracted generation after generation of researchers worldwide to dedicate themselves to the study and protection of this historical site. Thanks to their unremitting efforts, the stories of Dunhuang have been rediscovered. We already introduced you to some guardians of Dunhuang, including the Chinese painter Chang Shuhong, who founded the Dunhuang Academy and devoted himself to the protection and study of Dunhuang's treasures. Today, before we wrap up our journey to Dunhuang, let's meet another guardian of this, the world's largest Buddhist art gallery. Also, as this is our last episode, I will let you know the quickest way to visit Dunhuang. The person we are going to meet today is widely known as the daughter of Dunhuang. Her name is Fan Jinshi, one of China's most renowned archaeologists and researchers of the Dunhuang grottos. Ever since the 1960s, she has devoted her wisdom and efforts to the preservation, research and promotion of the vast number of murals, artifacts and other cultural objects at the heritage site. If Chang was the first person to clean up Dunhuang from the sand and systematically protect those artistic treasures, then Fan is the first person to digitize Dunhuang and show its charms to people all over the world. Born into an intellectual family in 1938, Fan was deeply influenced by her family. Her father was a university graduate and passionate about traditional Chinese culture and art. He hoped that his daughter would also be an intellectual and so gave her the name Jin Shi, which literally means beautiful poetry. He often took Fan to museums when she was a teenager. Gradually, Fan also developed a strong interest in cultural relics. Her first encounter with Dunhuang was in a textbook. Back when I was a middle school student, I read a section of my history textbook which described the Morgao Grottos. I was deeply impressed. I really wanted to have a look at them with my own eyes. Back in time to 1962, Fan, who was studying archaeology at Peking University, traveled to Dunhuang for the first time under an internship program. To her, it was like a dream coming true. 
There was a lot of poetic imagination in her mind because the textbooks had told her all about the beauty of Dunhuang. When she arrived at the foot of Mingsha Mountain, 25 kilometers to the southeast of Dunhuang County in Ganshu Province, Fan, who grew up in Shanghai, the most prosperous city in China, was totally shocked. The houses people lived in were earthen. There were no electric lights. Until then, I had never seen a place without electric lights. What's worse, there were no tap water or washrooms within the houses. To my greater surprise, locals told me there were wolves lurking around, so I was a little bit worried. One night, I saw a pair of green eyes staring at me when I went out of the house to relieve myself. I was scared and immediately ran back to my house. I couldn't fall asleep all night. I anxiously stayed up until dawn. When I stepped out and found the animal was still there, it turned out it was a donkey. Due to weak health, Fan left Dunhuang before completing her internship. A year later, she graduated from university. Because Dunhuang was in desperate need of archaeological talents, Peking University wanted to assign Fan to the Dunhuang Academy. To go to Dunhuang or not to go, the 25-year-old graduate faced a difficult choice. Fan's parents were worried that their daughter, who had grown up in a relatively comfortable environment, would not be able to endure the hardships of the place and opposed her working in Dunhuang. Of course, Fan also knew it was not easy to live in that remote, sandy place. But deep in her heart, there seemed to be an invisible force calling her to go there. She thought of those frontiers in Dunhuang. While having a taste of the harsh living conditions during her internship, Fan also met China's first batch of researchers and artists focusing on the study and protection of the Dunhuang grottoes, including Shang Shuheng and Duan Weijie. Before I went to Dunhuang, I presumed that these artists must be very impressive in appearance, wearing pretty suits and leather shoes. But when I saw them, I found that Mr. Chang was almost like a peasant. Mr. Duan was a painter in his workwear, which was dotted with many dirty spots of pigment. They were all rustic. They had stayed in Dunhuang for more than a decade, or even longer, for decades. I said to myself how marvelous they were as they lived in such harsh conditions and devoted themselves to art for so long. As we've mentioned in previous episodes, the Dunhuang Academy was founded by Chang Shuheng in 1944. Chang studied in France in his early years. There, he came across the Dunhuang murals catalogued by Paul Pelio, a French sinologist, which made him decide to return to China and spend the rest of his life in Dunhuang. In 1984, Duan Wenjie took over as the academy's second-generation leader. He expanded the institute, embarking on international cooperation and joint research. Fan was inspired by them and finally decided to go to Dunhuang. She didn't realize at the time that it was a lifelong decision. 
She told her boyfriend Peng King Chang, who was her classmate and had been assigned to Central China's Wuhan University after graduation, that their reunion would come in three to four years. Peng said, "Okay, I'll wait for you." The young lovers were very optimistic about their future, but after Fan came to Dunhuang, she gradually fell in love with the place and worked in Dunhuang wholeheartedly, just like her predecessors. I was affected and encouraged by those researchers and artists coming to Dunhuang before me. I gradually understood it's their love for the grottoes that had kept them here. Then I asked myself whether I could do something for these precious relics. It only takes an emotional impulse to admire someone. To truly follow the steps of your spiritual idols, however. Requires long-term endeavor and commitment. After settling down in Dunhuang, Fan cut her hair very short because Dunhuang was very short of water at that time, and the water quality was not good, making it difficult to wash and clean hair. Since then, she's always kept a short hairstyle and lived an ascetic life. The skinny young woman in her twenties only ate two meals a day, lived in an earthen house. Slept on an earthen bed and used an earthen table. There was dirt everywhere. There was no electric power, and lighting relied only on candlelight or torches. In the middle of the night, large mice on the ceiling beams squeaked and fell on the bed from time to time. What was even worse was that the harsh environment caused people's health to deteriorate. Many people working in Dunhuang suffered from asthma and dirt retention in the lungs. Still, despite all these problems, Fan chose to stay. Although she married her boyfriend later, the couple and their small family lived separately for nearly 20 years. In 1986, realizing that Fan would never leave Dunhuang, her husband, a well-known archaeologist by then, finally decided to give up his own career and join her in Dunhuang. Fan spent decades to thoroughly study all 735 caves of the Dunhuang Mugao grottoes. There was always a thin, tiny woman with short hair and plain clothes inside the caves. To her, the caves were like a fairyland. She could stay in the caves for a whole day with only a few dry, steamed buns. In order not to have to leave to go to the toilet, she drank as little water as possible. In 1979, the Mugao Grottoes opened to the public, attracting thousands of visitors from China and abroad. But while the grottoes shot to fame, the narrow temples and fragile murals began to crumble. In 1987, the Mugao Grottoes became the first batch of world cultural heritage sites in China. Fan was the main person in charge of the application. To her, World Heritage Site is not just a title for the Mugao Caves. She once said that her dream was to make it a cultural treasure with a spirit that is commonly shared by all mankind. To make it possible, Fan has made tireless efforts to preserve the grottoes that face natural and man-made threats. As the grottoes are in a desert, they are under constant threat of sandstorms. To ward off the threat, Fan and her colleagues at the academy put doors on the caves and planted trees. From sand control to environmental monitoring, 
From mural disease control to cliff reinforcement, Fan fulfilled her original aspiration and mission in all areas of Dunhuang preservation. In 1998, Fan became the third generation director of the Dunhuang Academy. She tried all the means possible to solve the dilemma of increasing number of tourists and the corrosion of the murals that they caused through sweating and breathing. She insisted that as a treasure of humankind, the beauty of Dunhuang should be appreciated by more people. So it was selfish to prohibit people from visiting Dunhuang, but at the same time, the relics must be carefully protected. After conducting a great deal of research, the Dunhuang Academy began to build a visitor service center in early 2003. At the center, visitors could obtain a comprehensive understanding of Dunhuang through film. Virtual tours and exhibitions before entering the caves, and then visit the field led by professional guides. To protect the site, only up to 6,000 visitors are allowed to enter the Mogao caves every day. Humidity and temperature sensors were also installed in the caves. If the microclimate is disturbed by an overwhelming number of visitors, the caves will be closed. For Fan, another question that has always been at the front of her mind is how to make this decaying human heritage immortal. She thought of archiving. Some of the murals in the grottoes dimmed, some degraded, some dropped from the walls. So we had to archive the murals and figurines. Taking photos of them was a good way, but still, photos can also degrade with the passage of time. At the end of the 1980s, Fan realized for the first time that a digitalized version of the grottoes would never disappear. I was on a business trip to Beijing. One man in Beijing knew that I was interested in preserving cultural heritage using new technologies. He took me to see a computer. He said when photos were digitized, they would never degrade. I thought we could try it with the murals of the Dunhuang grottoes. Fan proposed establishing a digital Dunhuang, making high-resolution digital images of the caves, murals, colored sculptures, and all the other cultural relics. She invited professional photographers to take pictures of the caves and had them digitalized. After decades of hard work, the first phase of the digital Dunhuang project was officially launched online in 2016. Visitors to the official website of the Dunhuang Academy can view a high-definition panorama of 30 caves for free with just the click of a mouse. One year later, the website became available in English, marking a giant step towards global sharing of the stunning cultural resources. Global netizens can visit www.e-dunhuang.com. To have an online cruise into some of the most splendid caves in Dunhuang. Yes, remember this website e-dunhuang.com. If you want to explore the caves of Dunhuang right away, go to the website. 
Digital Dunhuang is still an ongoing project. It will ultimately integrate all kinds of data, including videos, 3D data, pictures, and more, into a digital repository of the Dunhuang art that can be shared globally on the internet. Fan turned 80 years old in 2018. Having spent most of her life in the desert, her health was deteriorating. She has to take medicine every day, but she is optimistic and often laughs at herself. She says that her body is just like the Mogao grottoes. Grottoes will age. That's an irreversible natural law. But even natural law can't end her intertwined relation with Dunhuang. In retirement, she continues to perform as an honorary director of the Dunhuang Academy. She still lives in Dunhuang and devotes much of her time and effort to protecting Dunhuang's splendid cultural heritage. Why stay in Dunhuang for so long? This is the question that people always ask her, and she also asks herself. In her autobiography, Dunhuang is where my heart belongs, she writes, "At this time." I will think of the Buddha in the cave. The Buddha's smile is a kind of revelation. The past can no longer be recovered. The future is not certain at all. All you can have is the present. Anyone lives only his present life, not any other life, regardless of whether it's a long life or a short life. My only home is the Mogao Grottoes. Where else can I go? If I was in a bustling city. Maybe I could find a place to hide, but I am already in a desolate place. Retreating into my own heart is better and more reliable than retreating to any other place. Fan uses a lifetime to demonstrate the Magao spirit of being devoted to the desert, dedicated, responsible, and enterprising. She believes Dunhuang is the meaning of her life. The most difficult places in the eyes of ordinary people, places inaccessible to people, are where your will is tested thoroughly. In the eyes of ordinary people, some places are unlikely to boast a meaningful life, but it is precisely in these places where life has greater power and faith, creating miracles unattainable for ordinary people. Fan's career is perhaps the best fulfillment of this belief. Having worked in Dunhuang for more than 60 years, Fan has evolved from a young graduate to a broad-minded, knowledgeable senior scholar. Together with Dunhuang, she has endured wind, frost, snow, rainfall, severe cold and heat, hopelessness, and then hope. People like to call her the daughter of Dunhuang. She's no longer young, but her original intention to protect Dunhuang has never changed. In her eyes, the beauty of humanity and art is shining forever in Dunhuang. This beauty has motivated her to spend decades being the guardian of the caves. It is in Dunhuang where she found her ultimate happiness. Someone asked me, "Where is happiness?" I think happiness lies in the things a person does by instinct. Whether a person finds the reason for living a meaningful life is decided by something fundamental, which is a kind of power that allows him to face all the difficulties. 
If you have this power, you can face the passage of time and even life and death issues in a calm manner. Everything is bound to leave, and genuine happiness is to become who you are under the calls of your heart. Fan is just a representative of those who spend the best years of their life working in Dunhuang. On a wall inside the building of the Dunhuang Academy, there is the following sentence: "History is fragile because it's written on paper and painted on the wall. History is strong." Because there is always a group of people willing to protect it with a hope that it will never be forgotten. Today, more people are coming to Dunhuang to learn about its history, its cultural relics, and its stories as well. After thousands of years, Dunhuang's cave paintings are still brilliant, and the colorful statues are still vivid. These all come from the dedication of generation after generation of Dunhuang guardians. Dunhuang is a land of miracles. Over time, countless people have left their stories there, stories which have been witnessed and recorded by those amazing caves. Having travelled through history, the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still radiates dazzling light. And with that, we conclude our stories of Dunhuang. But hopefully, your journey to Dunhuang will not end here. To feel the greatness of Dunhuang, you must go and see for yourself, and then you will know why you love Dunhuang. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and San Yanjong Du for contributing to the content of these podcasts. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Why we love Dunhuang. See you in Dunhuang. Until then, goodbye.